day started out great um, this morning, and I, I walked into the, our student center gym, and I there was a football right there in the right on the three point line, and so I pick it up, uh, and being a guy, I decide the great idea is to chuck it across the gym for the other hoop on the other side, and so I, I picked up the football and I throw it, and I and just not even thinking it's going to go in, so I continue to walk. And then out of the corner of my eye, you know, it, it goes in, swish. And I'm like, I'm feeling, thank you, thank you. It, it, was, it was great. It was great. And so I, my first reaction was like, somebody, somebody had to see that. And so I turn around, and I'm in this giant gym looking, and I'm like, nobody. I'm like, so, so I, I'm hoping you maybe believe me, but... Um, Hopefully uh, my morning will uh, continue to go that great and uh, it won't go down from there. Um, but it's Father's Day. We're so glad you are joining us on this Father's Day. And whether you're here in Fremont or if you're joining us online, and if you're online, we would love for you to join us next Sunday here in Fremont or at our campus at Grace Point in Northwood. And then we soon have our campus in Tiffin that we're so looking forward to. Um, but it being Father's Day, I, I would ask, I'm not going to do it, just for, for the record, I won't ask you, but I would ask if all the dads, they would stand, and then we would be able to recognize them and celebrate them and, and just give them a big woohoo and cheer for them. But then uh, I know, dads, you, you much rather just stay seated and you recline. So in the next 30 minutes, that's what I'm going to ask you to do, just Stay where you are and hope you enjoy it. Hope you enjoy this as we continue on in our Romans 8 series. Um, but it's, it's my first, actually, Father's Day. And so I have a nine-month-old little girl named Jada um, who is just a blast to have in my life. And she brings me so much happiness. Uh, but uh, being a dad right now, she's a, at nine months, she's actually currently teething. Uh, and so she's... Like last night, for example, you know, the, the sleepless nights are just one of those things currently. And so she just constantly is waking up. Uh, and then you got the, the other fun part about teething that I'm realizing as a first-time dad. Um, drool um, is everywhere. And, and she's biting on things. And now your finger, when she tries to bite on it, it hurts because there's little sharp, pointy teeth stabbing you. Uh, but it's the good stuff, and, and I get stuff to look forward to. She's doing this army crawl right now. Um, we can't learn, see, seem to teach her how to get up a little bit and actually crawl. Um, so she's doing this army crawl, and uh, you know she's not walking yet, so I get to look forward to that. I get to look forward to you know, her really talking and being able to communicate with us. Uh, I get to look forward to maybe look forward to the terrible twos. Um, and, and then I get to look forward to in the years to come, way down the line, the teenage years. But even, I know for parents, you guys would understand this probably even more than I do. There's a, there's a lot of difficulties about being a parent. There's a lot of things that aren't necessarily that, all that fun, like sleepless nights. I like my sleep. But... Even with all those difficulties and those things that could be really hard about being a parent or being a dad, there's also so many rewards, right? Like, I, I, I'm in this nine months, really short, I'm learning about how 
blessed I am to be able to be a dad to a little girl who reaches out to you and says, dad, 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 dad. But it's so fun. It's so rewarding. And as we look at this Romans 8 today, as we continue on in Romans 8, what we're going to talk about is just some of the rewards about being a Christian. Obviously, it's not all the rewards. We're just going to look at some. As Pastor Kevin, he kicked us off last week and uh, talking about, in the first 11 verses, talking about the freedom we get to have in Christ. As we're going to pick up in verse 12, Paul's continuing to talk about that freedom we get to have in Christ. But as believers, as we, as, like he states in verse 9, Paul states, it, it says that as believers we get the Holy Spirit. So in Romans 8, 12 through 18, 12 through 17, let's just start reading there. And it says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we get to cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, we're heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. So that we may also be glorified with him. We all get the rewards about being a part of a family. We see it, we get to experience those rewards. And as we're looking at this passage again, I want to just point out, I'm just going to point out three rewards I think Paul brings up in this passage. And the first being the reward that as Christians, that I don't think we really necessarily contemplate, and we really, I think sometimes we take it for granted, that God's Spirit comes and lives inside of us. We get the reward of having His Spirit. And through His Spirit, we have no obligation. We don't have any obligation, like Paul says in verse 12, no obligation to obey the flesh, no longer, no longer having an obligation to, to live like our old self before we knew Christ, no, having, no longer having an obligation to obey our worldly desires, which are anything that are, is displeasing to God. We, don't, we have no longer an obligation to obey our pride, our anger, our jealousy. And if, you, if you're in here and you've been a Christian for quite a while, you, you'll completely understand that as a Christian, we're not going to be perfect. Even though we have no obligation to obey those things, often, sometimes, we give in to those things. We give in to our pride. We give in to our anger. We give in sometimes to our jealousy. Paul, what he tries to do next in verse 13, illustrates to us that there's two different types of people. There's someone who knows Christ, and it's evident in the way they're living. And it's also, it's also there's someone who doesn't know Christ doesn't have a relationship with him. And he explains that in verse 13. By, he explains it by saying to the person that doesn't know Christ, he's saying they live by their flesh and for their flesh. They're obeying their worldly desires. They're obeying the, the, the things in their life that aren't pleasing to God. 
They're pursuing those things. They're doing everything in their life. Their, their life isn't, I'm living my life to honor God. It's to obey their desires in this world. To chase it. To pursue those things. Paul, and to that person, he gives a huge warning to. You know what he said? Do you see what he said? If you live by your flesh, you must die. And he's not talking about an earthly death there. He's talking about a more severe death. One that is eternal. One that is eternal separation from God. And then he describes the second person. The one that knows Christ. And he describes that person as a person who's living by the Spirit. And through the Spirit, they're putting the deeds, they're putting to death their their desires, their deeds. Like we talked about last week where Pastor Kevin talked about how we can have freedom in Christ. And I hope that it was encouraging to you. It was encouraging to me, remembering, reminding myself, as a Christian, I get to have freedom in knowing Christ. I getting able to celebrate, walk out of church celebrating. We have freedom in knowing Christ as Christians. But I can't imagine that there's also some people in this room that they, they hear it. They've heard it and they, they walked away and they're celebrating that last week. That they get to have freedom in knowing Christ. But then as the week goes on, they find themselves, even though they have no longer an obligation to their flesh, they find themselves caving to their pride, caving to their anger, caving to their jealousy, caving to their sin struggles. And I think it's helpful to sometimes, like right now, look at the Old Testament stories, like David and Goliath. David, he doesn't defeat Goliath on his own power, right? He, he, David defeats Goliath through God's power. Or how about Moses? Moses splitting the Red Sea. That wasn't done through Moses' strength, through his power. That was done through God's power. What about Israel and their marching ability around the city of Jericho and their ability to play instruments and make noise? That wasn't what caused the walls of Jericho to fall down. It wasn't the power or the might of Israel. Rather, God's power, His strength, His mighty. It was his victory. What about Gideon? How God commanded Gideon, hey Gideon, shrink your army down to 300 men. It made no sense, right? It wasn't Gideon's victory in the battle. It was God's. It was his victory. Even when it seemed impossible. But we get to know as Christians, as followers of Christ, through God, all things are possible. And this morning, I again don't know what sin struggle you might be battling. And, and what, th- what thing keeps coming up that you can't seem to find victory in, in your life. 
You came last week, and you're going, I got freedom in Christ. You left celebrating, you're going, it's no, I'm no longer going to struggle. But then you come out your back this week, and you're still struggling with the same sin that you were dealing with last week. My encouragement to you, if I could, this morning, is that you cannot overcome your sin struggle. You cannot find victory in your life through your power. Do you see those Old Testament stories? It was every time, if you look through the Old Testament, every time, it, it's almost frustrating. If you walk through the Old Testament, it's, it's, almost, it's annoying to start reading through the Old Testament and going, Israel, what are you doing? Why are you following your own desires again and again? And every single time they start, they start following their own desires they fall into destruction and chaos. But every time you, you get to watch them submit to God and be led by God, you see them have victory. Even when it makes no sense, right? Like Gideon. I, I love the story of Gideon because you look at the story and God telling Gideon, shrink your army down to 300 men. Like, I'm just sitting there going, reading through Scripture and going, this absolutely makes no sense. Why? Because it's not about our victory that we get to have. It's about God's victory and the experience that you, and when we learn how to submit to God and be led by His Spirit, your sin struggle, when you submit to God and be led by His Spirit, and you'll, you can find victory through that. It's the reward of having His Spirit. It's the result, and then the result of having the, that reward is that we can have victory over our sin in our life. But it's not our victory, it's God's. It's not because of our strength, it's because of God's strength in us that we have no longer an obligation to obey those things. And for those who are being led, who are, their life has been radically changed by Christ. At verse 14, he, Paul introduces the second reward that we get to look forward to. He says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, for these are the sons of God. The second reward that we get to look forward to, that we get to have as a Christian, is we get to be a part of His family. We're adopted, we are brought into the family of God. And just like the first reward of having the Spirit in the second, and then eventually what we're going to talk about is the third, we got to keep and remind ourselves that not everybody gets these rewards. Not every single person who's ever lived has these rewards that we get to experience as a Christian. Everyone is invited Everyone is invited to experience these rewards. But not everyone has chosen to hand their life over to God. So as a follower of Christ, as realizing while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we didn't deserve that. We handed our life over to Him. And because of that, our position now has changed. 
God's Spirit has come and lives inside of us. Now we're being led by the Spirit of God. And we become then children of God. We are adopted into His family. And as we are adopted into the family of God, we get a few things. Like security. Look at verse 15 where it says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading a fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. As a child of God, as being adopted into this family, we do not get a spirit of fear. We don't have to be afraid of being alone or not loved. We don't have to be afraid. Did you notice Paul, he mentions two different types of spirits there. Spirit of slavery. And then he says the spirit of adoption. And the NASB that we use here at Grace is... It helps us because the spirit is not capitalized. It's lowercase. So what it's, ta- what it's talking about is not the Holy Spirit there where he says the, the spirit, you have received a spirit, not the Holy Spirit, not God's spirit. But these two spirits are different ways people approach God. You look at people, a lot of people try to approach God with a spirit of slavery, with a spirit of fear, which we can, I mean, obviously, it leads to more bondage in their life. And then there's the other, there's a spirit of adoption, which it leads to freedom in your life. So Paul, he's bringing these two up to help us kind of illustrate to us how people will approach God. And I think to illustrate it a little bit further, I think it's helpful to kind of look at this, a story. In, in, a, in the Bible, it's the prodigal son that Jesus told. And probably many of you, you know the story where the son, he goes to his father. And you know, it's crazy. The, the father's not dead yet. And the son comes up to him, pretty much as a slap to his face, asks his dad for his inheritance. Give me everything. I'm tired of being your son. I want all of my inheritance, which is just an insult. And so the dad, he gives it to him. He gives all over the, in the, the son's inheritance. He gives this inheritance over to him. And the son, he leaves home, heads out, goes to the city. Doesn't ever treasure his inheritance. Rather, he wastes it. Doesn't find value in it. It's all gone. And the son, he's left helpless and hopeless. Because he never rem- he didn't see the value in what his dad just gave to him. And as he's helpless and hopeless, he starts thinking about home. He starts thinking about what he once had. As a son. And as he's sitting there thinking, he starts thinking about his dad's servants. How they, even his servants, had everything that they ever needed. They never had anything to, they didn't need a desire for anything else. He gave them everything. And so the son, he starts going, well, I'm going to come up with this plan. Where I'm going to come home and I'm going to beg my dad, don't just send me away. 
Don't be ashamed of what I've done. Don't be ashamed of my actions. Don't be ashamed of what I've said to you. Don't send me away, Dad. Just, just listen to me for a second. Before you send me away, allow me just to talk to you. Allow me to become, Dad, your servant. You become my master. I'll just become an employee for you. At least as an employee for you. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat next. The saddest thing, I think, is that there are so many people who try to come to God like that. They try to come and to struggle along as God's employee. Like it's all based on what I've done. It's all based on my performance. How God loves me is based on how good I am at obeying Him. About my, my, my respect and my, and my love back towards Him. It's how I perform. And if I perform really well, maybe God will pay my wages. Maybe He'll answer my prayers. Maybe He'll give me favor. Maybe He'll protect me. But if I perform bad, if I perform poorly, God, he's just, I'm afraid that God will just fire me. That I could lose my salvation. That I could lose what I had. But do you know the rest of the story of the prodigal son? The son, he gets the gusto up, and he's going, I'm going to go home. And he does. He starts heading home, but the dad, he's a good dad. He's not forgotten his son. He's sitting at home, and he's looking in the distance. The front porch light is on. It's never been off since the son left. And he's looking out in the distance, and, and as he's looking in the distance, he sees a figure coming closer and closer and closer. And finally he realizes that's his son. Then he does something that is customarily totally wrong of that time, right? He gets up and he runs. Runs out to his son. Right down the driveway. And as he gets to his son, he doesn't start screaming at the top of his lungs, Where have you been, son? What did you do with the inheritance that I gave you? Why did you say what you said? He doesn't ask him any questions. He gets to his son and you know what he does? He just embraces him. He gives him a hug. And then he tells his son, we're going to celebrate. Because my son returned home. As Christians, we don't have to be afraid of being fired. We get the security as being in a God's family of that we are not God's employee. So in that, because of that, as a child, we are never fired. Because God's relationship with you was never based on your performance. It's never based on what you did to get that relationship. Rather, it was based on his unconditional love for you. That again, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. 
So as a child, we get security. But not just that, because of who our dad is, because of who our father is, Paul continues in verse 15, he says, But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we get to cry out, Abba, Father. So not only... Do we get security about being a part of the family of God? We also get intimacy with our Father. As sons, we get to cry out to our Father. You know, it shocks me so much that people think God's just distant. They approach God like He's this far God that they they can't get near, that they can't approach. I know that's exactly how my wife felt before she became a follower of Christ, before she became a Christian. She always felt like God was distant. They didn't really care. That her hurts and her wants and her needs, that they didn't matter to God. She always felt like he was distant. She always felt like she had to do all these, she had to perform to be right with God. She felt like she had to go through different avenues to even have access to God. Did you catch it though? In verse 15, not only do we get to be called a child, not only do we get to be a part of his family, not only is God described as our father, we also, did you see it, get to cry out to our father. You know, parents, you get a first-hand look right here how God feels about you. It's not perfect. It's not a perfect image, but it helps us see how God, being perfect, how He is able to see us as our Father and we as His children. God sees us and and we're able to cry out to Him. Have you, as a parent, have you ever had that moment where your kid is just crying out to you and you you run to them because you wanted to take care of them? Or they're sick, and you're just seeing their misery, <laughs> and you're just like, I, I will stay up all night because how much you love and you care about them, that you're willing to lose a little bit of sleep because your child is not feeling great. You know, as a dad, just for a short period of time, and I'm still learning this. And it's not, again, it's not a perfect image, but just like I thought I, even before Jada was ever born, I thought I loved her. Right? And, and then all of a sudden, the first time I got to hold her, that was special. Like, that became so real to me. How much I really, truly loved this little, tiny baby. <laughs> And now it's, it's a crazy, she does all this insane, she just screams, just because she's happy, I guess. And it's just like this high-pitched squeal where you're just going, like everywhere. You're going in the, a library, and it's high-pitched squealing, and you're like, you got to be quiet. But I can't wait for, you know, as our relationship is able to grow, and the intimacy I get to have with her as a dad, it's unique, Right? Like, it's going to get more and more, like, when I can have a conversation with her, and she actually can actually understand what I'm saying, like, I can't wait for that. 
that intimacy that I, I get to have with her. It, it, it's just a, a slight picture of the way we get to have with our Heavenly Father. How God see, wants with you. He wants intimacy. He wants this relationship where you will come crying out to Him. With your pain, with your suffering, with your worries, your anxiety, with your fears. With your need for that void in your life to be filled. He wants you to come into Him, crying out to Him because He is your Father. And He loves and cares about you. And Him being your Father, there's nothing that's ever going to change that. And through that, we not just get the security and intimacy. We get assurance. Romans 8.16, it goes on. It says the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. As children, we get assurance. Just again, like as you as a parent get to have, you get to have this little image of how God sees you and me. As children. There's nothing that your child can do that will ever make you love them less, right? You, you, they might do the dumbest thing there is on earth, whatever that might be. And you could be so disappointed with that decision. You could even be through that, because of that decision, you're sad, you're broken, you're hurting. You're, you're, you could be mad. Because you're, that, that, those feelings, those emotions that you're going through in that moment is because of how much you actually love them. It's because that's your child and because you have this intimacy with them and when they went and made that decision, that intimacy was broken, that relationship with you, it's, they're still your child. And that nothing will ever change that. You still love them, but the intimacy is broken. And so because you want the intimacy to remain intact, you want this, the relationship to continue to grow as when they're in adulthood, you have this great relationship. So that's why as all the way up as children, you're disciplining them when they make wrong decisions. But it doesn't change the fact that they're yours. And through that discipline, what you're showing is how much you love them. Because you're showing them that those actions are not where the path, the direction that you, as their parent, want them to go down and go towards. You have so many more dreams and hopes for them than they can ever imagine. You know a better way. You've lived way longer. You know a better way to do life than probably the way they're making those decisions. But God... And being our Father, saying it, the Spirit Himself testifies that with our spirit that we're children of God. We get assurance even when we are obeying our flesh, when we have no obligation any longer to obey it. And we're continuing to obey and having this struggle. Eventually, as children, what's going to happen is the Spirit's going to testify that we're His because we will get disciplined as a child. Not out of hate, because of love, because He wants more for you. Because he knows your needs. He knows what's best for you. And as a father, yes, so as the spirit, he testifies that we're his, maybe through discipline. But he also testifies and reminds us how much our father loves us. 
We're continually reminded about that. Just like a dad would do. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're going, I don't know if I have that kind of assurance. I don't know if I have that kind of security and intimacy with the Father. I, I, I kind of feel like he's distant. Like I got to perform. I'm going to tell you, like Paul says earlier, that way of thinking leads to that spirit of slavery. That's a spirit of slavery. It leads to not freedom. It leads to more bondage. If I could encourage you to anything else, let me tell you this. God loved you so much that he gave him son, his only son, Jesus to come to the cross, and while we were still sinners, he died for you and for me. Like Paul said in verse 13, because of our sin, because of our disobedience to God, we deserve to die an eternal death. And so Jesus, what he did on the cross was taking our place, what we deserved, so that he made a way that we could be made right with our Father. We could be brought into his family and be adopted into his family. If I could encourage you to do anything today, it would be to seek that out and search that out. See, as a follower of Christ, we get as the rewards of having the Spirit. We get the reward of being called a child. And we also get this third reward of being called an heir. In verse 17 it says, and if we're children... We're heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. As a child, as being adopted in the family of God, we get to be called an heir. And as an heir, we get the full inheritance. We're not missing anything. We get the full inheritance. And I, I don't know if you caught this, but Paul, he continuously kept saying, as sons... You are called a child. As sons, you're adopted into the family. And, and it seems so kind of countercultural the way we kind of talk because we have to be so inclusive in our culture today. But Paul, he is not being, in, he's being inclusive there. He's including men and women. He's including all Christians when he says you're sons. Because if he says sons and daughters, daughters in that time frame had no inheritance. And so Paul's saying, you, as Christians, we get to be called sons. And as sons, like in 1 Peter 1.4, it says, we, as sons, get to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away and is reserved in heaven for you. It's again a reminder of that verse in 1 Peter 1.4. It's a reminder the assurance that we get to have as a follower of Christ. It's a celebration because we get to look forward to the reward as an heir. Look forward to the result of that is that we get the full inheritance. We're not missing anything. We got the full inheritance. And then also as an heir, like he says in verse 17, we get the family likeness. It says if it we're heirs of God. We're also fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. Paul says, hey, 
as a Christian, as an heir, we will suffer. Matthew 10, Jesus reminds us of that. That because of our family likeness, because of us knowing Christ, that we as a Christian will go through suffering. And let it never be that we get it twisted as followers of Christ, that we start thinking in our mind that because we're a follower of Christ, life, it means life will be easy. Life will be so much better that we we don't have to go through pain and suffering anymore. We do get to look forward to that one day, like in Revelation 21, like it says. But on earth, what we are told in the Bible tells us as a follower of Christ, we should expect suffering. Let it it not come out of left field. We should expect suffering as a follower of Christ. So let me ask you this question. Is the inheritance that you receive as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, as a child of God, is that inheritance, is that worth to you? All the hardship and the heartache that you may go through in this life. Is the hardship and heartache, is it worth that inheritance? Paul answers, I think, that question in verse 18 where he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For I consider the sufferings of this present time, what I'm going through today, what I may go through tomorrow are not worthy to be compared to what will be revealed to us. As a follower of Christ, I don't know if we get, I guess, as a follower of Christ, we get to have the full confidence. We get to have the full assurance that we are His. And because of that confidence that we are His, we understand in the future where we're going. We are not afraid that we're losing our salvation. We're, we know we are a child. And because we're a child, we are confident of where we are spending eternity. And because we are confident of that, we will not, as Christians, entertain the idea that our current problems, that our current struggles, that our current pain aren't worth it. Because the reward of knowing Christ, the freedom of knowing Christ, The reward of having the Spirit. The reward of being called a child. The reward of being an heir. Far outweigh anything this world could ever throw our way. For so for the believer this morning, for the Christian this morning, we get to leave on this Father's Day celebrating we get to know our Father. And celebrating that we get to feel the freedom of knowing Him. And also celebrating the rewards that we get to experience in knowing Him. And to celebrate the reward that we get to celebrate, that we get to experience for eternity. And for the person that's in this room and you're still, you're sitting here going, I don't know if I've experienced like that. A life change. I don't know if I've been adopted into the family of God. I don't know if I can have that, I have that kind of security, intimacy, assurance. I don't, I don't feel confident that I know where I'm spending eternity. Let me challenge you. Just to head into room one, right when we're about to pray in a second. Just go to room one and ask a pastor. Just how can you know you can be confident? 
that you can, you can leave church this morning knowing that you know the Father. And as a dad's in this room, like I get it experienced for the first time, we get something special. Even though we're never going to be perfect. We're going to strive to be the best parents, hopefully best dads that we can be. We get this special image of how our Father, our Heavenly Father sees us. So the next week, I hope you join us next week as Pastor Kevin continues on in our series in Romans 8. But today, leave rejoicing that you get the reward as a follower of Christ. Rejoicing that you get the reward of the Spirit. That you get the reward of being called His as a child. That you get to look forward to the reward of being called an heir. That you get the full inheritance. And yes, you might go through suffering now, but you get the full inheritance, and it won't even compare to what we go through in this life. If you would, stand with me. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the ability that we get to come and we get to worship you. And Lord, on this Father's Day, Lord, thank you for the reminder in Romans 8. That you are a great father. You are a perfect father to us. And Lord, we thank you for the rewards that we get to experience as a follower of you. And Lord, we thank you ultimately for that reward that we get to spend with you in eternity. That, that we get the full inheritance, Lord. And Lord, we love you. We praise you in your name. Amen. Have a great Father's Day. You guys are dismissed. <laughs>